It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them all? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. This is your Estate Planning Essentials Radio and Podcast Program, and my name is Don Crawford, Jr., the grateful owner of KWM Radio and co-host of this program, which is seeking to aggressively protect your family, your assets, and you. And I'm sitting with my co-host, my friend, my attorney, who should be your attorney, our Dallas estate planning expert, Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don, and happy holidays. Happy holidays to you, too. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And this week, we want to once again serve the audience in your special way and talk about what's going to happen in the new year regarding veterans benefits and the like. Yeah, I thought I'd talk, you know, there's new numbers for certain uh, uh, wartime veterans who uh, uh, become disabled later on Mm -hmm. that were not um, injured during war. And they have the new numbers that's announced uh, each year toward the end of the year. And since they have these new numbers, I thought, well, uh, since these numbers really become effective in January, that this may be the time to discuss it. We don't discuss veterans' benefits that often. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm going to talk about one particular benefit. Uh, Basically, it's called improved pension, uh, which is, again, there are certain qualifications uh, if you are a wartime veteran or if you're the surviving spouse of a wartime veteran uh, and you are not dishonorably discharged, then a lot of times they'll help pay for if you have assisted living or if you're homebound. Um, by the way, what is wartime? It's not exactly the way the end of the war as we might think of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for example, World War II, according to the Veterans Administration, didn't end in 1945, but the end of 1946. Okay. Korean War, uh, 1950 to the, uh, I believe the January of 55. Mm. So was, uh, Vietnam, well, they have a, two different ways. They look at boots on if mm-hmm. you're actually in Vietnam. Oh, by the way, on most of these uh, situations, you don't have to serve overseas. So, as I always say, you could be a cook in Galveston, and if you were serving during wartime, you might be entitled to the benefits. Okay. Um, so, uh, in Vietnam, is if you were what they call boots on from somewhere in 62 to 64, uh, but from 64 to 75, any time that anyone served during that time frame, that would qualify for wartime service. Um, and even the widow, uh, I say the widow, you can't be divorced from the uh, the veteran. Uh, the widow would also be entitled to benefits, although at a lower amount. Mm. The amount they pay these benefits on a monthly basis, just like Social Security. 
So it just goes usually electronically directly to that person's checking account. And the amounts, uh, again, have changed. Uh, again, usually this is uh, activities of daily living. There's two a- activities of daily living are like feeding, clothing, transferring, toileting, um, you know, things like that, bathing. Uh, if people need assistance with two out of those six activities of daily living, uh, then that's when, or if they're homebound, that's when these type of benefits could be obtained. Mm-hmm. Um, so the amounts that you could get, uh, and then I'll tell you what the, uh, the amount that could be kept, uh, the amounts, will, well, it depends on if you're the veteran or the widow of a wartime veteran, or if you're the veteran and you have a dependent spouse. Um, if you are the widow of a veteran, that amount is going up uh, to $1,433 a month. If you are the veteran and you are not married, that's going up to $2,051 a month. And if you're the wartime veteran and you have a spouse, so let's say you had to go into assisted living, uh, then that's going to go up to $2,642 a month. So a lot of people are not aware of this benefit and um, would want to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Now, we, uh, the, there are asset limitations, just like Medicaid has asset limitations, but they do things a little bit different. Um, so the amount that you could keep that doesn't count, or is, or is countable, I guess you'd say, but the maximum you could keep of uh, countable resources is going up on uh, to $150,538. Now, if that doesn't include your home or your personal property or you know, your everyday living stuff, a car, those type of things. So sometimes people want to buy or put money into those exempt resources to get down to the limit. So if you could have a, there's no, well, on the home, it has to be, there's no limit to the value of the home for veterans' benefits, unlike the Medicaid rules if you're single. Um, But it has to be generally less than two acres unless the other part of the land is uh, basically hard to sell because if it's, um, you know, whatever it's like, you know, let's say you're in a rural area or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, the home basically, you know, that that gets into the incongruity of where the home might be because uh, it's like saying that a two-acre home in Manhattan or in San Francisco uh, is worth less than a four-acre property in Muleshoe, Texas. Okay. You know, so it really uh, somewhat uh, unfair, you would think, uh, unless you could show that that Muleshoe extra two acres was unsellable or very difficult uh, by itself. Uh, so uh, maybe it went, maybe there wasn't any right of entry or something like that. Um, so those are the rules. Now, they don't have, by the way, on a home, unlike Medicaid, Medicaid, a lot of times people get Medicaid for long-term care, either at home or in a nursing home. In the Medicaid rules, if you're single, there's uh, what's called a state recovery where the government has a right to make a claim against the home 
after death to the extent that Medicaid benefits have been advanced. But veterans benefits does not have a state recovery. Uh, so that's an advantage for uh, veterans benefits. But on the other hand, Medicaid, if let's say you're in a nursing home, generally is better because the amount that you know that, that could be that they could be paying could be much greater than the dollar amounts that we said here just a minute ago. Those monthly amounts uh, under Medicaid rules, just to let you know, if you're single, you just give up your income, and the cost of care. Uh, is generally much greater than that. So let's say somebody has Social Security income of $1,500 a month. The average nursing home is over $7,000 a month in uh, Texas and in other states. It's much greater than that. If you were single under the veterans' benefits rules, uh, I mentioned that you could get $2,051. But if you're single under my example for Medicaid and you had income of $1,500, uh, and you qualified for Medicaid, you save $5,500, okay. you see. So you have to look at the – so a lot of times when we look at from planning for a particular person, we have to see what their health condition is and where they're located. A lot of times it's better for assisted living to be the veteran's benefit, but if your person's going to a nursing home, it's generally better for – um, Medicaid. Now, the reason for that is very few assisted living facilities accept Medicaid, but almost all of the nursing homes do. And veterans benefits, it really doesn't matter where you are. Uh, it could be assisted living, it could be memory care, it could be a nursing home, or you could even be homebound. So there's different in how long that person progresses. And, you know, nobody's God, so we don't know what somebody's situation is going to be tomorrow, but you have to do your best guess based on, and we say, okay, always talk to the doctors. Let's kind of get a feel. Of course, doctors aren't God either. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we don't we don't think they think that they are. They might <laughs> sometimes. Uh, just a kid kidding you, doc, uh, doctors yes. out there. Uh, uh, doctors uh, could tell lawyer jokes, so I think we could tell a few uh, uh, doctor jokes. But in any event, the um, uh, the bottom line is that um, uh, you could get you have to kind of look at the situation and see what is best for the client and then see which which you know is best for them they may it could be that you say look um, uh, I want to be at this particular facility because it may be better quality of care or whatever or it's more you know it's closer to my home or whatever the thing reason may be. Uh, it could be that you just people just have to make a choice of what they think is best for them, and even if it's not the most savings. Uh, so anyway, uh, veterans benefit. Now, how they determine that hundred fifty thousand uh, and five hundred thirty eight dollars uh, is a little bit different. It's not just the money in the bank, uh, but they also look at income. So if your income exceeds your medical expenses, then that is counted towards that 150 538 So it's different than Medicaid, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which looks at things different. And, and you can have a double whammy if you have a, let's say, a retirement account, mm-hmm. because a lot of times if you have a retirement account, you have required minimum distributions. Well, that's income, and it counts as an asset 
Uh, whereas on Medicaid, if you have it, at least in Texas, and the rules different from state to state, Veterans Benefits is just a federal program. Uh, Medicaid is a joint program between the federal and state governments. So the laws on Medicaid vary from state to state. Uh, so what I was about to say was an IRA in Texas, uh, if, if there's RMDs, does not count as a resource, whereas it would count as a resource for veterans' benefits. Interesting. Now, IRA, they would look at the income uh, for Medicaid, but uh, but they do not count the actual assets. So if you had $200,000 in an IRA, it would not count towards your asset, countable asset limit for Medicaid, but they would look at the required minimum distributions. And that would be a, a, a traditional IRA, uh, because remember, a Roth IRA, there are not distributions. And so, therefore, a Roth would count as an, an asset for Medicaid unless you bought an annuity within there. So there's exceptions to every rule. Sure. Sorry to divert. Uh, but the rule's different. So a lot of times you have to know uh, the difference between the Medicaid rules and the veterans benefits rules in your planning. Uh, so, and besides seeing what their health condition is and also considering any kind of tax issues that there might be. So, um, uh, veterans benefits is very good in lots of situations, uh, but in other situations it may not be. The, uh, so a lot of times what people do is they'll put their, if they have too much assets, just like in Medicaid, they may put things, put more assets that were countable into uh, assets that do not count. And the biggest asset that doesn't count would be the homestead. Uh, generally, since even if it's two acres uh, or less, most homes are not more than two acres, at least in the cities. Uh, but the uh, so generally, the, so if somebody wanted to make improvements to the house or repairs the house, then that changes countable resources, cash, into a non countable resource, the home. And since there's no estate recovery, uh, that's what sometimes people do. Or you could buy personal property items. You could buy a car or something like that that mm-hmm. generally doesn't count. Or everyday living type things, and that doesn't count. So there are some gifting strategies. Oh, for veterans' benefits, there's a three-year look-back period, which means they say if you make a gift within the three years prior to applying for that veteran benefit, what they do is they divide the average what the veteran would have gotten. Remember, we talked about the monthly amount that the veteran would get is $2,051 into the amount of the uncompensated transfer, the gift. And then they would, unless that gift was was already to, was already something exempt. So in other words, if somebody uh, gave away your, if you gave, uh, some of the veteran uh, gave away a home, uh, now, that may not be good from a tax perspective, but it didn't count to begin with. Mm-hmm. So that wouldn't be a transfer. Or if you were below the limit and you gave away something, uh, then that would not be a penalty. Uh, but otherwise, it would be. And now those rules are different than Medicaid. And so a lot of times you say, oh, gee, I have to coordinate veterans' benefits and Medicaid benefits in our planning. One more thing about the veterans' benefits that I feel like I should mention since we just mentioned the home. What if you said, oh, gee, I need to sell the home. The veteran is now in a, let's say, assisted living or the widow of a wartime veteran's in assisted living. Uh, gee, you know, what, what are we going to do with this home? 
Well, a lot of times you'll have to look at things like capital gains taxes. So if there's been something, if I just gave away the home, let's say I bought a home for $100,000 and I decided to give to, and now it's worth $350,000, I'm either the veteran or the widow of a wartime veteran, and I said, I'm going to just, I was already qualified, so I'm just going to give that home to my child. What would be the problem with that? Well, the first problem is that the donee, the child, the one who receives the gift, takes the basis of the donor, 100000 So if they sold that home for three fifty, then they would have capital gains tax on that $250,000 increase. However, if you uh, had retained elements of control, uh, under if you're single uh, normally uh, and you sold your home, and if you've lived there two out of the last five years, then uh, there is no capital. You have up to $250,000 gain if you're single, $500,000 if you're married. Now, again, you often don't want to have to... Uh, Disclose. You don't have to mention different types of trust or transfers until after you've gotten eligibility for veterans benefits. But a common tactic is to create a certain type of trust. Let's say that the trust has two parts. I know this kind of gets a little bit complicated, where you have you put the home in part A. I'll call of the trust, where you uh, retain the right to live there and other rights so that you don't lose any exemptions. And of course, assuming that you've lived there two out of the last five years. Uh, for veterans benefits, if you do a kind of a, a trust, you can't be uh, the one who's the trustee and you cannot be the beneficiary. So the trust could be designed, usually uh, done after there's veterans benefits approved. The trust would, uh, the house will be put into the trust uh, they would keep the, uh, by having elements of control on the first part, part A of the trust, uh, where you put the home. Uh, if you sell the home, since there's some elements of control, the right, right to live there, for example, or occupy, certain things uh, like that, then it, you could get the, where the, there's no capital gains tax under our example. And then when the proceeds from that sale uh, of the home are realized, then it goes to what I'll call the Part B of the trust, which is irrevocable, where the uh, uh, typically the the grantor, the one who the veteran or the widow of the wartime veteran, uh, cannot be uh, entitled to those. Although we might be able to make distributions to the child, so there's a way to not have the capital gains tax and sell the home if you're going to, you know, let's say the person's going into assisted living. Uh, and uh, so you have to consider both tax situations as well as the veterans' benefits, depending on what the story is. Now, again, remember, though, for Medicaid, if you make a transfer within five years, then that could be a penalized event. So you have to see what the story is going to be. And since, again, uh, none of us are God, we don't know, you have to take a calculated risk based on the health condition. That's why it is important to kind of get... Um, at least a doctor's opinion as to what we think might happen, but of course nobody can predict tomorrow. 
that's why as we reach this holiday season, we ought to remember each day and stand, spend it with family or friends and um, enjoy each day that we have. Very much so. Um, this is a time of peace and love and sharing, and I couldn't agree with you more. My stepson, as I was telling Michael before the program, has a buddy who plays for the Indianapolis Colts football team, and he just bought a home in Prosper. And I told him, I said, when you do that, take it from someone who's owned a number of homes over the years, and I'm almost 60 years old, and that is to say to the realtor, what's the catch? Because there's always catches. There's always stuff under the rug. There's no catch with Michael Cohen. I've done the due diligence with my staff from the beginning 10 years ago. He sits here in front of me doing this program, never reads, knows what he's talking about. As I've said so many times, each breathes and sleeps this. So there's no catch here. The man is just exactly what you're looking for. And I highly recommend you attend his next workshop. I almost admonish you to do it, to see for yourself. And then you can do your own scrutiny. But I've done it. This is one very intelligent, exceptional attorney that should handle your state plan or uh, advise you on government assistance. The way to do that is to attend his next workshop, which is Tuesday, January the 24th at 10 o'clock. And, Michael, tell them all about those great workshops you've been doing for so long. Yeah, we've been doing them for 10 years. Um, and what we do is we ask um, – what is it that you would like to know? Mm-hmm. We have there's not that many questions on veterans benefits, but we just haven't. It's just the numbers have come up uh, just now. Uh, but you can see all these different planning things kind of uh, intertwine. Mm-hmm. Um, this free estate planning essentials workshop, we which you, as you mentioned is on January 24th. We ask people what they want to know. Each workshop is different. Because every time the questions are different, you never know what questions are going to be. So for 10 years, which we often do them, um, although not in January this time, often we do one or at least at least one a month and sometimes two a month, uh, that uh, each time the questions are different. It may be that somebody asks about some sort of tax law. Maybe uh, maybe they've changed the Secure Act, and maybe there's required before the end of the year, or maybe the beginning of next year, about how there'll be required minimum distributions that will be delayed, and what can be done by employers. It could be uh, it could be on what's the power of attorney. Uh, we got a question, by the way, uh, this week, uh, just on just on my website for a KWM listener about. Can, when can somebody sign something about capacity issues? Maybe if we have time, we'll talk about that in a second. Sure. Um, the, the the bottom line is is we don't know every what questions that people ask. It could be about simple things like wills or trust or powers of attorney or medical powers of attorney. It could be about Medicaid. It could be about veterans benefits. It could be about uh, people who are disabled, special needs. It could be anything. We just don't know what the questions are going to be. And when you hear these different questions, not only do you get your questions answered, but you'll find that you some of these things that, hey, I, I want to know that. That does apply to me. And you didn't even have a clue because it hadn't uh, gotten onto your radar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we ask people what they want to know. Uh, we for those, It's a two-hour free estate planning essentials workshop. We will have a presentation also. It's brief, uh, though, right? Just yeah, yeah, we have a brief. Uh, and we try to make it where it's not not like today, mm-hmm. uh, where we were kind of just talking law. It'll be a little bit more on the fun side. Right. Uh, we kind of try to um, 
tell stories to try to illustrate to make it easier to understand so I'm not just a talking head like I am right now. <laughs> and so do the other people when they ask questions. They all have their own stories. That's also. right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we ask people what they want to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we answer those questions within the two hours. But even if you didn't want to ask the question because for whatever reason, um, we do. if you do go the free two-hour free estate planning essentials workshop, we also give you an hour-free vision meeting with me uh, personally to in private where we'll look at your individual situation. Again, no obligation. It's free. All you have to do to attend that next free estate planning essentials workshop is call 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. Or sign up online at Dallas elderlawyer.com that's Dallas elderlawyer.com and I should be I would be remiss remiss it's 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 Christmas time totally and I, derelict I, if you didn't bring this up yeah I know that a lot of people are looking for that last minute uh, gift and some people are saying how do you know that incidentally how do you know they're looking well, I mean, for that last minute gift especially the males I mean you know <laughs> males go there you know we uh, wait right, for Christmas Eve basically. they wait for Christmas Eve mm-hmm. and they In say person. now i got to find something mm-hmm. well KAAM has provided that opportunity but it's too late the workshop's not for a month well, this is oh, that's true. Yeah, so it's not going to work uh, this well, time. Oh, it's, well, you're planning in advance, just like a state for what plan. next year. For next year, <laughs> <laughs> it's really a long planning. Yeah, right, right, that's right. Very right. funny. I'm sorry to expose you like that, but oh, hey, you know what could I say? You can come by the radio station and pick it up, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay. They'll be. It's kind of like Santa's helpers. Yes. You just come by the radio station and they'll give you that free KWM oh, coffee okay. mug, which everybody's clamoring. Yeah, everybody uh, is, no yeah. doubt about it. Dial two one four. 7200102 for the workshop, not the coffee mug. <laughs> Sign up for that for January 24th at 10 o'clock in the morning or go to DallasElderLawyer.com. Two minutes, Michael. Wrap us up with veterans and Medicaid benefits, please. Well, I think well, uh, uh, the moral of the story is if you, you might want to get your the discharge papers uh, to see if you might be qualified or even if you're the widow of a wartime veteran, try to be finding those type of things because you have to show uh, if you're the widow, for example, you have to show the discharge papers to show that the person was not dishonorably discharged. Uh, you might also get your marriage certificate, a uh, copy of that, uh, if you're the widow, because you're going to have to show proof uh, of that as well. Uh, you might get the uh, death certificate because uh, if you know this will show if you were the surviving spouse. Uh, so there will be different types of things that you need to get. If um, uh, if you think that you might be one that might qualify, so even if you're not doing anything, if you see that somebody has, let's say, beginnings of dementia or something, some sort of uh, related uh, disease, I, I want to also, by the way, before I forget, you know, we just had the Alzheimer's walk uh, in for uh, Greater Dallas, and our goal uh, was to reach $1,450,000. Mm. We're at $1,445,000 right now as we speak toward the, the end of the year. So 
If you haven't, if you're interested in the Alzheimer's Association to find a cure and help out those the caregivers, etc., uh, uh, don't forget to call the Alzheimer's Association as a final uh, new before the end of the year for your charitable contribution. Uh, I know that this is not. Uh, I just know that this is something important to a lot of people, uh, and um, I just give them one final plug. That's good. I don't blame you. Uh, very important for people to understand that at the end of the year. If you're meeting with family this, this next week or two, just around Christmas and, and New Year's, uh, you're going to develop questions for sure about estate planning with your parents, grandparents, grandchildren, etc., and you have to talk to your siblings. Well, this is a good time to talk to them and then attend Michael's next workshop the following month to get um, the assurance that you need, the security that you need with these questions. Sign up for that workshop, which is Tuesday, January 24th at 10 o'clock. Dial 214-720-0102 or go to DallasElderLawyer.com. Michael Cohen, we thank you, sir. Thank you, and happy holidays. The record shows I took the blows and did it my way. A leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. Make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.